0: Um, you know, just leaning into curiosity has given me so many opportunities and just being brave enough to try new things and figuring out what the balance of and what your threshold is, what your boundaries are, is something to explore. So, you know, if you've never really been hiking before, just go for a walk in a local park, you know, start slow, start small.
1: The Life in Motion podcast is brought to you by Actual Outdoors. They help build beautiful brands that highlight the approachable and authentic parts of outdoor recreation. Said simply, they keep it real. Learn more at ActualOutdoors.com. This is a Life in Motion audio experience. A podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 175 of Life in Motion. I've got Erica Nelson with me, aka The Awkward Angler. She's a fishing guide, podcast host, and co-founder of Angling for All for a Pledge. I'm excited to hear her story. Now she's inspiring others to get outside. Erica, thanks for being on the show today.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Yes, I'm I'm excited um to, you know, obviously John helped make this connection. He's been a guest before and we've kind of uh, him and I have kept touch and he he mentioned your name and was definitely excited checking uh checking out and seeing what you're up to. It looks like some awesome stuff. But before we before we get into some of those uh, awesome things that you're doing, let's start with, you know, I guess your your origin story, you know, who is who is Erica? Where are you from? How did you kind of get into the outdoors in the first place?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up in Kirtland, New Mexico, which was a really small town in the Four Corners area of New Mexico. And I wasn't really an outdoorsy person whatsoever. (laughs) So (laughs) I kind of did some sports here and there. But I guess my definition of outdoorsy was different and I always like to tell people that I actually really hated to sweat (laughs) and I hated (laughs) like the smell of being outside (laughs) but it was probably when I was in college where I took a yoga class and it was like I just needed like two credits to like finish my degree and so it was something that was really kind of inspiring to like sit and be present and breathe and I ended up wondering, hey, what if I took my yoga mat outside? (laughs) And when I went outside, I got really curious. And I would go and explore these canyons. I was living in Utah at the time. And it was just really cool to take my yoga mat and just go in a canyon. And then I got super curious of what's around the next corner. What's around the next corner? I wonder what's up there. So I would start hiking and then I'd reach these ridgelines and I'm like, what's, you know, what would happen if I kept going? And so this curiosity kind of built over time and ended up getting into backpacking. So I thought, where's the one place that I could learn how to backpack and be outdoorsy? So I ended up getting a one-way ticket to Alaska <laughs> and I worked a summer in Denali and yeah, it was pretty rad. And I was just, I don't know, probably 23 and it was pretty sweet. I got to meet some people and went backpacking, went hiking and just had an incredible experience. And it just kind of didn't stop from there. I moved to Portland, Oregon, started hiking and then I ended up getting more curious about whitewater rafting. So I moved to California and became a whitewater guide. And that was actually also in kind of spite of like a career that I had in Portland. And I thought, you know what, this corporate thing isn't for me. So I'm going to go be a river guide. <laughs> so I kind of did this drastic turn and um, went kind of into whitewater boating. And then it just kind of kept building upon that. And, you know, I ended up Instructing some backpacking courses and trips and trip leading and then, you know, became a commercial whitewater guide and then kind of started rock climbing, guiding or rock climbing. And then I started guiding. And it just kind of like built on all these skills. And I kind of like to be not an expert at everything, but at least mediocre at most things. So <laughs> I ended up moving to Lake Tahoe and um, being a ski instructor got into snowboarding and it's just kind of been nonstop since and over the last few years i uh, found myself in lander wyoming and needed a new hobby so decided to pick up a fly rod and and check it out
1: (laughs) (laughs) so um you know that's that story kept going and going and you kept adding more more things which is which is so awesome um you know, and, and especially, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you hated being outside, you know, when you're younger, hating the, the smell of outside, hating sweating and everything <laughs> that goes along with it. And you're explaining all these things like, well, that's that's a complete 180 there. So, I mean, so I, I, that's interesting. So I guess to that point, do you think if you never had the the yoga and then, you know, that that um you know, the connection and and mindfulness that came with that, do you do you see like a path where this kind of ends up in the same way? Or do you think like it was really just that opportunity to sit there? You know, I guess, like I said, the mindfulness and and kind of think about those things, which obviously then led to doing it outside and and so on.
0: Yeah. And I think what kind of inspired, you know, the yoga was really great to connect, you know, with the mindfulness and the breathing and, and being present. And I think that's what I needed was, to do something for me. And at the time I was also going through a breakup. (laughs) So it was really nice to have a distraction (laughs) of just like walking. And then I realized like, oh, hiking is literally just walking outside. So it was kind of this, um, I I think it was mostly drawn by curiosity and of this like, yeah, the sun is setting, but I'm curious on what's over the next ridge. And that's when the curiosity of, what if i just stayed the night outside you know <laughs> and then um it, i became I, I got to know different communities different kinds of people and they would invite me to these things and i just kind of had this access automatically almost and um you know when i was in oregon i uh got into a corporate career i was doing hospitality management and i had a friend who just bought a rafting company And I'm actually really terrified of uh, water (laughs) and maybe (laughs) still am, but it was this like curiosity of what is the fear that I have of water? And I think it was, um, so I went and did like a guide school and that was like the best and worst week of my life. It was terrifying and awesome and thrilling. And I just wanted to see like, why am I scared? And, I think I found the answer of, I didn't know how to respect it. I didn't know how to read it. I didn't know how to be on it. And so that whole week was just so terrifying, but also uh, what I needed, you know, to be able to uh, basically like survive the elements, I guess you could say, or challenge, or, or have a nice challenge and be able to overcome on the other side and be okay. And I really also like uh, just building on skills constantly and, you know, learning new skills and and outdoor things. It's just, I don't know, it's just really exciting for me. So I I kind of put myself in positions to be able to explore these things. And I don't think I, so I'm a fly fishing guide now here in Colorado, and I don't think I would have been able to uh, really be in this position uh, if I didn't, if I wasn't curious, you know, I, I saw people after work in Wyoming of we're going fishing and they were just wearing jeans and flip-flops and I thought you needed all this <laughs> gear. And so it was just this like curiosity of like, what is this like? <laughs> and so it's kind of how I think what have, has driven me. Yeah,
1: that's cool. And, it, and it's, and it's interesting, you know, you keep mentioning curiosity, you know, it sounded like sort of initially it was more of the curiosity of what were you going to see next? And then that kind of grew into what were you going to do next to kind of challenge, um, challenge yourself in those, in those different ways. So it's, it's really cool to hear that progression. So, and you, you, you mentioned kind of uh, fly fishing and, and other guiding and and that kind of thing, I guess, where did, I guess at what, what point when were you like, Hey, you know, I want to share this kind of passion that I've, that I've grown over the years And I want to be able to share this with others and get others outside in that way. Cause it seems like that's sort of the path that you, that you took, you know, once, once you found that love and all these different activities, you were like, Hey, well, why not help other people get outside and do this or teach them Mm -hmm. this or that? Like where, where did the, I guess the teaching, uh, sort of aspect come from?
0: Yeah. So what I failed to mention when I went to Alaska, (laughs) I, uh, (laughs) I wanted to learn how to backpack. And so I went to Alaska in, I think it was 2008. And I uh, went on my first backpacking trip and I I met a girl there. We were both worked for the same company and we both wanted an adventure and learn how to backpack and be outdoorsy. So we ended up planning this overnight backpacking trip that was um, supposed to be 24 miles round trip. And so we thought, you know, we're pretty avid hikers. So 12 miles in a day, you know, sleeping, pitching a tent, and then hiking another 12 didn't seem like that big of a deal to us. And so we planned this trek and we ended up um, getting a little lost. <laughs> and this <laughs> overnight trip actually took seven days. And so, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> so it was this... uh major uh, mistake that we made. And in in many lessons were learned many, many lessons, you know, especially on, it all started from not knowing how to read a map properly, essentially. And <laughs> so we had to melt snow and, and collect rainwater. And that was a really uh, stressful time. And I think what added to the stress during that time was, uh, my sister was getting married the next week, And I missed the flight to her wedding (laughs) and I had zero way to contact my family. And yeah, it was, it was pretty intense and we didn't know really what to do. We just kept thinking, oh, maybe we underestimated, underestimated the terrain. So let's just keep going. Maybe. Once we get to this ridge, we'll be able to have a point where we'll we'll be able to see where we're at. And so we kept going, which is like number one rule if you're lost, like stay where, stay put. (laughs) And little did we know, it was actually one of the largest search and rescue parties in National Park history. And so there was a very large search and rescue kind of operation going on. There was folks from... Um, yeah, folks from the lower 48 in the National Park Service that flew up and and helped. And they ended up flying my parents up, my sister, her now husband. They flew up my friend Abby's parents. And it was a pretty big deal. It actually made national news. And so um, I think when we got back, I didn't realize the magnitude that we had caused. And it was just this like, major humbling event (laughs) to be uh one i didn't know that anybody would care that we were gone and two all of these resources were allocated to uh find us you know and there was this uh like search and rescue people were volunteering their time and they were leaving their families in order to put mine together and they had a lot of you know volunteers and a lot of structure and a lot of things a lot of funding went into this and so to come out alive and to be able to experience what I had experienced, which was learning how to stay positive and learning how to survive and live off the land, and also understanding the resources that went into this and the risk that people put themselves in in order to find us, I think was a very eye-opening. I get emotional. Oh <laughs> um, well, yeah, I because can it was a very surreal and life-changing event. <laughs> and so, I I think that's kind of what inspired the educational piece of uh, learning the proper way to responsibly explore the backcountry. And so I put myself through a lot of different courses. Um, I ended up uh, going back to school and getting an outdoor leadership degree uh, in like a, as a minor, and then also studied psychology. But then I also went to Knowles, the National Outdoor Leadership School, and learned how to properly explore the outdoors you know all of these principles <laughs> and, and how to lead groups uh you know ethically and so I, I just kind of spent a lot of time intentionally of learning for myself so that way other people can't make the same mistakes and so i think that's actually the pivotal moment that kind of came out of this alaskan adventure
1: yeah uh yeah i, w- I would say so <laughs> that's a uh, yeah that, <laughs> that is
0: so yeah curiosity and um a major fuck up <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's um that's no that's amazing uh, i mean I, obviously i'm I'm glad it all worked out in the end but just you know having having that experience but then not only I, I guess listening to that there's you know two things one having that experience and then obviously you know um further educating yourself so one that doesn't help or happen again but then you can help others make sure they don't you know make that same mistake so there's that part of it mm-hmm. but there's also the part that You know, some people, they might have an experience such as such as yours. And then they're like, nope, I'm not going camping again. Or I'm not like or might like have a fear of getting back outside. So to that part of it, what was it that that I guess didn't shy you away, you know, shy you away from it rather than, you know, what you ended up doing, which was obviously go go ahead and head first and, you know, making sure that, you Mm -hmm. know. Uh, you you took care of yourself or that you knew how to take yourself in that situation. So it didn't happen again.
0: That's a really great question because I, I, that experience, I honestly think that the power of positive thinking is what pulled us out of there. I could physically feel shutting down whenever I was thinking negative, like, Hey, we're not going to make it. (laughs) And luckily my friend Abby and I were, uh, we had opposite energies at the time. And so she kind of pulled me out of the funk. And then once I was able to think positively, I had so much energy. It's it's kind of this weird experience that I had of, hey, like I could actually not, you know, having no food, having no water and having all this energy was an interesting experience. And so I thought, how can I help other people? And maybe it's that mindfulness too (laughs) that I had got got off of yoga, I'm not sure. But I found it really exciting and and interesting. And I wanted to kind of um, move into conversations of where other people are at that might've had negative experiences and and wonder where that comes from. But I think to me, it's always been important to explore the outdoors ethically. And uh, part of that is being able to Uh, have some (laughs) self-care you know you can't really take care of other people unless you're taking care of yourself and so how do i teach people to take care of themselves in adverse conditions Uh, because even just like a regular maybe car camping trip it's uh, it can be uncomfortable for people you know you don't have to put yourself in these extreme situations there's just experiencing curiosity can be uncomfortable as well and that's something that i find super valuable to be able to transfer that skill into any kind of environment, whether it's you work in an office, or if you're a rock climbing guide, you're kind of navigating these adversities within yourself, and you're able to kind of take care of other people at the same time. Uh, I also was luckily and fortunate enough to be surrounded as I started moving through my outdoor career, uh, experiencing, meeting a lot of awesome mentors. I think mentorship is really important. So when I got into whitewater boating, I ended up finding myself in a community surrounded by women that were super supportive and learning how to work with nature, learning how to uh, finesse a boat versus trying to overpower, which we saw a lot of men <laughs> doing. And you know, we would be sitting in an eddy and watching a boat come by, and it, maybe it was like a... Uh, a male trying to guide and overpower this rapid and flip (laughs) and we were just like all you need is like two little like strokes so here and there and you're able to kind of navigate and so it was really interesting to to explore these seemingly like dangerous or these extreme kind of things but in a supportive environment and so it's also kind of this paying back like or paying it forward i guess i don't know (laughs) Um, how can i help other people find their path to adventure you know and exploring the outdoors too yeah
1: no that's great and and uh you know i was gonna go right back to the the yoga thing and and mindfulness as well to to kind of help with that mindset and it sounds like it was the um a perfect match between you and your friend with you know the the different attitudes and, and kind of bringing each other together in that way to to do that um and then like you said paying it paying it forward now as well um so i i guess so as you've um you know you've you've you know uh done white water rafting and, and and helping with that and uh rock climbing and and all these kind of other things is there something that you've you've kind of gravitated towards i mean obviously right now you're doing um the the angling and stuff but is, is there something or is it more just like, hey, you know, I'm going to kind of jump into like what what my thing is now and I'm going to go all in for it and then I'm going to help as many people as I can along the way to enjoy that. Um, or is there mm-hmm. is there kind of like a, a favorite, I guess, that you have or is it, is it more or less like that?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think whatever I'm doing at the time is my favorite. But <laughs> <laughs> I think the more and more that I got into these things and you um, know, the whole actually I think it only dawned on me recently within the last year or so that I've reflected on my journey to the outdoors and reflecting that I did have a supportive community when it came to whitewater boating. And I'm also looking at my uh, career now in the fly fishing industry, and I didn't really have a whole lot of support to begin with. And so it was also this interesting experience of at the time I was living in Wyoming and I didn't see any women on the water. I didn't see any, uh, women of color on the water. (laughs) And I also experienced a lot of entitlement from a very predominant demographic that typically fly fishes. (laughs) And I had experienced a lot of, um, unfortunate events of sexism and racism and, I it, it was really painful because that was uh, over the last like, I don't know, six years, like seven years ago that I, I just started to get into fly fishing. And when I got into fly fishing, I was actually a self-taught angler. So I would get on YouTube and try to like figure it out. <laughs> and then I wasn't getting good. So I was trying to find a mentor. but at the same time, I just was experiencing these really terrible like times on the water. And I was curious if anyone else was experiencing something like this. And whenever I looked and picked up a fly fishing magazine, for example, it was um, it was predominantly one demographic and I didn't really see myself. And it was kind of discouraging of do people do people like me, an indigenous woman, belong in fly fishing? (laughs) And it didn't really seem like it at the time. And so to be able to navigate and work through that and to be able to come up with ways to build my own community. I think that's why I'm so passionate right now about fly fishing is one, I can actually pair my two loves of whitewater boating and fly fishing, which is pretty sweet. Nice. <laughs> and also how can I get more people involved in this awesome thing? Cause it is a fun, adventurous and beautiful thing it's also pretty relaxing and great for your mental health. <laughs> so, how can I get more people involved in this? And so that's kind of where I'm at right now is dedicating a lot of resources and rep- to be the representation in the fly fishing industry to be able to say, "Hey, you know, to my nieces and nephews, you belong here. It's okay, you know, I fish, I belong." Is actually a theme that came up from this weekend. I was teaching a kids camp um called all all kids fish. And this is an annual event uh, started by Becca Sue Klein that inspires the next generation of fly anglers and conservationists. And so it's a full day retreat to kids ages 10 to 18. And this is This was just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I had no idea there was fly fishing (laughs) in Georgia, for one, which I feel very ignorant. (laughs) But you can actually find and explore these amazing places and have amazing adventures just in your backyard if you live in an urban area. And access has been a barrier for me in many different ways, and I see that happening to uh, a lot of low-income families that can happen to or historically excluded communities within the fishing industry and so i find it really important to create pathways to be able to gain access uh, and i feel like once you gain access to this it is a gateway towards conservation as well
1: absolutely and you know it's uh, you know obviously those those experiences that you know made you kind of almost you know feel excluded you know when you first get into it and all that um nothing's awesome about that part, but the awesome part is that you saw like that necessarily didn't, you know, uh, make you a jump boat, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of leave, leave <laughs> yeah. that passion, but rather than, you know, kind of pivot, like, okay, well, how, how can I, how can I do my part to change it? Just like you kind of did your part to, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, you, you didn't get lost in Alaska again. Um, but, you know, turn, turn kind of that negative thing into something positive that would then, in turn help others um and other generations and kind of and kind of build that which is which is really awesome to and inspiring to hear that because obviously um you know i i i've heard that multiple times from that and i think you know that it's it it's a bummer hearing stories like that from from that perspective um because you know the outdoors is for everybody it doesn't matter what you look like Um, You know, and, you know, the the barriers are hard, especially when it comes to financials, especially depending on the on the outdoor um, activity that you're doing. But to figure out how to break those down um, is is really awesome. So how I I guess, you know, on that side of your journey, you know, how are you, I, I guess, reaching those communities that, you know, maybe they never even had the interest of of getting outside and to that extent, but maybe they never had the ins- instance because like you said, they would pick up a magazine like, Oh, well that's, you know, that's so, and so why, why do I belong out there type of deal? So may- or maybe they do have an interest, but then they still had that same thought. How do you, how do you, how, I, I guess, what is your approach to help fix that? Or, or, or I guess, um, fix seems so, but I, I think, you know what I'm asking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. I don't have all the answers, <laughs> but I think some of the things that I've noticed, especially when it came to fly fishing. So I moved to, uh, you know, I, I mentioned I lived in Wyoming where I learned how to fly fish. And then I moved to Colorado about five years ago. And I live in a really beautiful spot <laughs> and it, for fly fishing um, and all things outdoors. It's great. And one of the things that I immediately recognized, again, was no really not really a lot of women on the water and also not a lot of women of color on the water. And then I kind of dug in and I got curious about what are the statistics around indigenous women and the connections of indigenous people and fly fishing. And I kind of felt this sense of responsibility after knowing that there was only one indigenous woman fly fishing guide in the entire state and she lives in Colorado Springs. And so I kind of felt this like this responsibility to be the representation and put myself out there so other people can see themselves and so i think that was like a major first step because i was almost kind of over guiding completely <laughs> i took a big step back for many years or for a few years and uh ended up just was like hey i'm, I'm kind of done with this but to move to colorado and see this and to do some research and then meet her and, and you know be inspired by her of we need more of us out on the water encouraging other people and educating other people and so that's kind of been a really big inspiration and then also kind of looking and working within the outdoor industry i ended up partnering with brown folks fishing which is a nonprofit profit and uh, a group of people and ambassadors that are spread all over the us and canada to be the representation within the fishing industry and this is just all things fishing not just fly fishing so we have people that uh, spin Spinfish, that tinkara that do um, fishing for subsistence in all kinds of different areas. And so I ended up partnering and co-creating the Angling for All Pledge. And so the Angling for All Pledge establishes a benchmark for learning and a commitment to addressing racism and equality In fishing and its industry. So over the last few years, uh, and we launched this before 2020, but it seemed like the year 2020 was when there was this racial awakening, especially with the murder of George Floyd, where people started to say like, "Oh, there is inequity." (laughs) They were able to admit that there are many barriers for other identities to be able to enter the outdoor industry, or what does it look like to to be outdoorsy, right? And so. The Engling For All Pledge is basically like um, a commitment, but also it's a workshop. So it's a, uh, a bridge where companies and individuals and guides want to do good. They want to be part of the conversation. They want racial equity. They want justice. They want inclusion and diversity. But they don't really know how to get there. So it's kind of this process of... Um, Reconciling our own identity. What's our access to resources? Who am I in this space? What are my privileges and advantages, but also disadvantages? And that kind of helps me understand other people and where they come from. And so the next stage is kind of building authentic community. So how do I actually reach out? And I care about maybe you're a man that wants to do more women's trips right? and get more women into the sport. But there is sometimes a disconnect there of how you think it should be done and also an authentic approach for it to be done. And so we kind of help this bridge with um, authentic community building. And then this third stage is how do we actually look at decolonization within the outdoor industry and the fly fishing, or excuse me, the the fishing industry as a whole? Uh, Because fishing has indigenous roots (laughs) no matter what. (laughs) And so uh, how do we actually connect that we are likely recreating on stolen indigenous lands. And this is also an ancestral way of living. And it's still continuing today, especially in parts of the Pacific Northwest and Alaska. And, and how do we actually pay honor to these, these places and these place ways of fishing? And so that's kind of like in a nutshell what the Angling for All Pledge is. And then I also do a variety of things like all kids fish like I did just recently. Um, I also do um, instructing in other states to help indigenous youth get into angling as well, where they can either learn how to become a fly fishing guide in their own Alaskan village or Uh, learn about the industry, if that's something that they're interested in, in building their own economy in their own hometown. So those are kind of some things that I work on. And then I also just recently launched this, uh, I call it a leadership development workshop, (laughs) because I've always felt that diversity and inclusion is a basic leadership skill. And so you don't need to actually separate or style the two. And so the course is called Decolonizing the Rogue River. And it's a... uh, four day um, uh, float down the uh, wild and scenic Rogue River in Southern Oregon. And so we're learning about um, not only the the history of the area, but also um, the impacts of colonization, not just in that specific area, but within the US. And what are the impacts of conservation around that? And how do you actually authentically work with indigenous communities in your own area? So we've been working with different conservation groups in that effort, which has been pretty exciting.
1: So, uh, so you're, you're just, you're just doing a handful of things to help that. (laughs) No, that was was, nothing, nothing, nothing too much. Uh, no, no, that's, that's all really cool because, you know, there's, uh, you know, there it's, everything seems, um, uh, very, very purpose, purposefully, uh, anyways uh layered purposefully if i can say that word um (laughs) you know to kind of build to build on one uh, one another um to kind of reach that ultimate goal that you're that you're doing and it sounds like you know there's you know obviously they're local where you're at but then these other areas as well and these other trips and you're kind of making your um your kind of mark in these different communities to to you know reach that that kind of overall goal of um of, of, you know, the community of, of being outside and, and not looking, uh, looking at other people, how they shouldn't be looked, I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, um, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so that's, that's, that's really awesome that, you know, there's, there's so many different, different layers to that. And, and the, it sounds like the impact that, that you're able, or that you're having with that and the the community that you're building around that is, um, yeah, it's just really awesome. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I, uh, it's interesting. I found myself in a place where I would start connecting because I started this Instagram account called Awkward Angler. <laughs> and that's kind of the community that I've built, which is, it's not only learn like awkward to learn how to fly fish, but it's also awkward talking about social justice within the fishing industry. And so uh, I started this podcast um, and it started because um, I got into conversations with other, mostly women of color, but also just people of color in general that fish. And we started to share and bond over similar experiences. I mentioned that I experienced racism and sexism in, in, in this, since I started fly fishing. And I thought, is anyone else experiencing this as well? And so I thought, what would it be like to hit a record button to hear these stories of other people experiencing this, but also shared joy in, in the, in the industry as well. So, um, so I started this podcast called the awkward angler podcast back in 2020. That's awesome. And that's just
1: like, and, and that's just another way to kind of, um, you know, reach, reach more people on different platforms. And, you know, I like the idea of there because, you know, uh, thinking about kind of uh, I guess the the human race in that sense, you know, I, I, I like to hope at least that most of, those things are, those not fun experiences are mainly because they <laughs> just don't realize it's happening in that way. And they just kind of need a new or different perspective or way to look at it. Um, and then mm-hmm. hopefully that, that um, fl- that uh, switch just flips and they, you know, kind of, uh, you know, turn some positive out of it. So, but you being able to share those stories and and kind of inspire others that way is, um, is, is kind of a, an awesome way to do that as well. Um, yeah. so we, let's see, I, I guess, is there anything that that we've missed? You know, we, we talked about, uh, you know, Alaska talked about the podcast, kind of talking about all these different initiatives, um, as, as you mentioned as well, um, of, of, of many hats, but before we wrap this up, is there, is there anything else that I might've uh, forgotten to ask?
0: Oh, um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, what else do you want to know? I think <laughs> I feel like I just kind of like blurted everything that I I'm into right
1: now. <laughs> no, no, it was you no know, good. And I think all that stuff is insightful. So I, I guess, uh, to that point, I'll kind of wrap it up with my, my final question and, um, which is always kind of one piece of advice for our listeners. And, you know, you're, you're, your, your story, it's always awesome to to meet new people kind of for the for the first time over the podcast because, you know, you don't really know what to expect. But, you know, from going to yoga to um, having an entire search party for you to uh, to doing all these outdoor activities and then sharing that with others and then working on these um, inequalities and, and kind of everything. It, it seems like one thing that has kind of, um, a, a, like I said, a common thread there is that curiosity um, but also mm-hmm. having the curiosity is kind of expanded, you know, from, from views that activity to, well, how many, uh, women are out fly fishing and, and, these different things. But the other end of that is, you know, there's some aspect of, of fear, maybe, maybe not for you particularly, but others as well. They might be curious about something, but they might have the fear whether that, uh, maybe to try that first backpacking trip or maybe to, um, you know, figure out their own way to help break down those, those barriers or whatever that might be. So what would your advice be to, to balance out kind of that curiosity, but not let the fear overcome you to, you know, see what's on the other side or see how you can help with doing this, um, or, or see what that, where that adventure will lead you.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I'm terrified of everything by the way. Uh, It was like the biggest. Well, I wouldn't have known. Scared (laughs) of everything. Yeah, I know, right? It sounds like I love this like awesome badass thing, but like before I do anything, I am always really terrified, and uh, I always come back to like having this moment of like uh reconciling my mother's reaction to this Alaska event and I don't ever want that again so I always have to like balance out the risk of <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> how am I going to tell my mom this or what, how is she going to react if I don't make it and so I'm always terrified I'm always <laughs> there's always this like terrifying uh layering uh, cloud over me but um, you know, just leaning into curiosity has given me so many opportunities and just being brave enough to try new things and figuring out what the balance of and what your threshold is, what your boundaries are, is something to explore. So, you know, if you've never really been hiking before, just go for a walk in a local park, you know, start slow, start small start getting curious. So that's kind of how I started, right? It was just within a yoga studio <laughs> and then going outside on my lawn that then turned into a little subtle hike that was, you know, not even a quarter of a mile that turned into all these gradual steps. And so you don't need to do something extreme overnight. It really starts slow as long as you're leaning into that curiosity.
1: No, I, I love it. I think, I think that's great. And I think it's even um kind of kind of more impactful for our listeners too as, as you mentioned you know you 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 do kind of weigh the risk with everything but you still kind of find that uh, let let that curiosity and that and that bravery kind of uh flourish in that way so that's awesome so um where where can people uh find you online check out the podcast um help support what you're doing and just kind of see what you're up to
0: sure yeah i'm mostly predominantly active on instagram so that's at awkward angler <laughs> and i'm also uh have my podcast on awkward angler.com
1: awesome well everybody definitely make sure um check that out uh keep up uh with with what she's doing some some awesome things um, from the adventures to kind of these uh, initiatives to like I said, help help others get outside in that sense. But I appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on sharing your story. And I appreciate all that you're doing. And I wish you the best of luck. Yeah,
0: thank you. I appreciate it. Good to meet you.
1: Thanks for listening. And hey, if you made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life emotion. Until next time.